just before you start listening to this podcast, a reminder that we have a special subscription offer. You can get 12 issues of The Spectator for £12, as well as a £20 Amazon voucher. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher if you'd like to get this offer. Welcome to Holy Smoke, The Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. This week I talked to someone I'd describe as a hero bishop, there aren't many of those around, who's working to alleviate a humanitarian disaster that's already cost the lives of around a quarter of a million people, but which hasn't grabbed the world's imagination. And after that, some brief thoughts on the Pacamama, the name of a South American Earth Mother icon, which may not be familiar to you, but is on the lips of many outraged Catholics at the moment. First, that humanitarian crisis. Imagine that disagreements over Brexit had got so out of hand that Leavers and Remainers started killing each other until 200,000 people were dead or missing. I think we'd be kept fully informed by the media. But in South Sudan, the world's newest country, at least that number of people have died. And we're not talking about the civil war between Islamic northern Sudan and the Christian south, in which two million people died. The new disaster erupted after mostly Christian South Sudan was given independence from Muslim Sudan in 2011. Within two years, the government, a coalition representing mutually hostile tribes, had broken down. To quote the Sudan Relief Fund, Violence spread across the young nation like wildfire, displacing over 400,000 civilians in just the first month of conflict. And today, violence continues to spread, forcing hundreds of thousands of people to flee from their homes and move into camps and into the bush. Inside South Sudan, more than 2 million people are currently displaced and 5 million are facing an emergency food crisis. Contaminated water, malnutrition and weakened immune systems are spreading deadly diseases. While politicians struggle to establish a new government, one man is doing extraordinary work. Bishop Eduardo Hibero Kusala, head of the Catholic Diocese of Tombaro Yambio in the country's southwest, is trying to broker a peace between its warring factions. But he's doing much more than that. He's persuaded 10,000 young people to put down their guns and come out of the bush. Working with the Sudan Relief Fund, a fearless charity with a magnificent record, he runs a hospital which is desperately short of doctors and doesn't even have an x-ray machine. And amidst all this, he has young men queuing up to become his priests. I spoke to Bishop Eduardo the other day. He talked not just about the suffering, but also about NGOs in South Sudan who are wasting money on bureaucracy. I suspect he's the only bishop in the world to have had a loaded gun pointed at his head three times. I asked him about that, but he brushes away questions about himself. He's a very modest man. This is all he said. Yeah, that's true. Um, But that was quite unfortunate. And I only got scared afterward, after some months. But that time, I didn't feel it. It's only later I said, oh, really, the gun had a bullet in it. When Bishop Eduardo Kusala was nine months old, his mother was killed when their village was attacked and destroyed. He grew up with his grandmother in a refugee camp. 
Today, he has a master's degree in bioethics and a doctorate in moral theology. But, as he explained, in his diocese, only 2% of the population have completed primary school. That leaves young people very vulnerable to warlords who pay them to become killers. Nearly 90-95% of the people do not know how to read and write. And you get a huge number of young people who are extremely desperate, not engaged in any program where they are able to take care of themselves properly. I remember talking to the young people who took guns who were in the bush. And I asked them why they have gone to the bush, why they took the guns. They all said, and we were told, you know, when we take the gun and fight, we will be given $100. I said, boy, you went to the bush, you have taken the gun just to receive $100, which is not equivalent of your life, the life of your family and your people. And so you, you know the bottom of all this is poverty, which is being brought upon these people by war. The Bishop's Diocese of Tombore Yambio borders the Central African Republic and Congo. It's where Sudan meets equatorial Africa and its impenetrable forests. The situation in his diocese is bad enough. You can see harrowing pictures on the internet. But one reason for that is the desperate condition of people over the border. I'm telling you, it's a jungle of forest with nearly five to six million people living in a forest as at the stone age. Who is going to, to handle this? These people in those forests come to South Sudan. The hospital I'm running in, in my diocese, all these people come there at least to get a little basic medical support. The hospital, first of all, you don't have the medical personnel. Those we have, we get them from Uganda and they are very expensive in order to pay these medical doctors and then you have the whole lot of health problems and we don't find solution to them. Can you imagine that we don't even have an X-ray machine? If you fall down and you suspect there is a dislocation or fracture, you can only feel it. Not anything will tell you that this is what has happened. The people die of simple disease, airborne disease, waterborne disease, the mothers die at the labor because you cannot reach all these people to bring them to the hospital. I feel terrible about it. A few months ago, I was talking to an expert on South Sudan who had mixed feelings about the Catholic Church there. 37% of the population are Catholic and 70% in Tombore Yambio. There's one fundamental problem that affects many churches, Catholic and Protestant, throughout Africa. Bishops and pastors often belong to different tribes, and in some cases that's where their primary loyalty lies. For example, this year I was sent a dossier on a case of child abuse in another African country. The Catholic bishop there hadn't done anything about it because the suspected perpetrator belonged to his own tribe. According to this expert on South Sudan, in the recent past, the mission of the Catholic Church there has been gravely compromised by tribal bishops and priests. But he was unstinting in his praise for Bishop Eduardo Kusala, who last year became president of the Sudan Bishops' Conference. The church there covers both countries. That's encouraging for several reasons, not least Bishop Eduardo's success in attracting vocations to the priesthood. It's clearly one of the things that keeps his spirits up. 
Oh yes, I have a huge, huge number of seminarians who want to be priests. It's amazing. In the midst of all these problems, we would expect young men wanting to learn to become politicians or to become something else. But we still have a huge number who want to be priests. I have a big number of seminarians who are in theology and doing philosophy and also in high school. My challenge, of course, is to sponsor them, to pay them uh, to school, which is very expensive. In December, I will be ordaining six of them into priesthood who were already ordained deacons. And next year, the number is surely to increase. And other dioceses within the country are already beginning to pick up also. The number of young people are joining them to become priests. One of the bishop's main sponsors is the Sudan Relief Fund, a Christian charity based in Washington, D.C., it supports two hospitals and a radio station. It's been involved in the drilling of hundreds of wells for clean water and in providing food for starving people. Although its mission is a Catholic one, there isn't a hint of exploiting people's misery in order to make converts. Also, it's a decidedly no-frills operation. It doesn't employ highly paid bureaucrats to spout fashionable jargon. But can the same be said of all the NGOs that have set up shop in South Sudan, including Catholic ones? Here's what Bishop Eduardo has to say. There are some uh, NGOs that have huge, huge structure. Sometimes these organizations also establish huge offices in South Sudan. And the staff they have are hired from outside and are paid in thousands of dollars. Even those who are church-related, they will be talking to you about millions of dollars we have for agriculture, we have for livelihood. But at the end of the day, you only see signposts in the forest and with no concrete project. And I'm sorry to say that. We are very concerned about how to monitor their practices or who is to follow up what they do and how much is wasted in the payment of the structure they have. This, unfortunately, is a manifestation of a wider problem some might say a global problem. NGOs around the world have become bureaucratized and politicized. This isn't to say they don't do essential work, but too many of them behave like greedy corporations or politically correct government departments, sometimes both. Their chief executives spend too much time courting, at great expense, Western celebrities who are busy window shopping for just the right cause with which to polish their halos in the media. I may be wrong, but I'm not aware of any celebs who've chosen South Sudan as their charity accessory. Perhaps that's no great loss. At any rate, I told Bishop Eduardo how grateful I was that he'd found time to talk to me. He's the first bishop to appear on our Holy Smoke podcast. I also thank you very much, and I want to, uh, to appreciate what you do, and also to make my appeal to whoever will read your, your writing, uh, to pray for us and to, you know, uh, the, the worst loneliness, I mean, the worst poverty is loneliness when people don't talk about it. South Sudan is a people and we love, we love friendship, we love people to be closer to us. And also for the church to trust people giving up money to the church does not mean I'm going to build my cathedral with that money. I will take it to the use and support of the community and the examples are already there. That was Bishop Eduardo Kusala, and if you're interested in helping him, please visit the website of the Sudan Relief Fund.
Finally, some thoughts on the Amazon Synod of Bishops, which ended in Rome on Sunday. The Catholic Church does seem to have taken a step closer to ordaining more married men, something it already does in its Eastern rites and when Anglican clergy convert. Note that it's not the same thing as allowing existing priests to get married. There's also talk, but only talk, of women deacons, something that will continue to be discussed in a rather circumspect way. It's not clear whether Pope Francis wants them, or whether any future women deacons would be ordained clergy. That whole thing is a mess. All we can be sure of is that any move in this direction will divide Catholics, who've seen how the Anglicans went from lay deaconesses to women deacons to women priests and then women bishops. If Rome decides to go for ordained women, and that's a very big if, then the church will split, and it will be a fracture on an enormous scale. Traditionalists will not be in communion with any pope who does this, so you could even end up with rival claimants to the See of Peter. It's happened before, after all. In the short term, however, many people will remember the Amazon Synod for the bizarre drama, one's tempted to say farce, of the Paca Mama. On display at the Synod were identical carved images of a naked pregnant Amazonian woman. One of them was carried in honour by the Synod Fathers, and word was put about that it was a depiction of Our Lady of the Amazon. But it looked uncannily similar to the Pacamama, a Peruvian earth goddess figure. Furious conservatives, including some bishops, described it as an idol and they rejoiced when unknown traditionalist vigilantes grabbed the statues from a church near the Vatican and threw them in the Tiber. This provoked an equal outburst of fury from liberals. Austin Ivory, a former diocesan spin doctor, compared it to ISIS-destroying statues of the Virgin Mary. Then the statues were fished out of the Tiber, at which point the Pope, unhelpfully from the point of view of his allies, apologised for the theft, but described the statues as the Pacamama. Some liberal reporters left this description out of their coverage because it undermined their insistence that this wasn't an earth goddess. There was talk of one of the statues being displayed at the closing mass of the Synod, but that would have forced some bishops, perhaps even cardinals, to boycott the event. So it wasn't there. The whole undignified episode underlined the sheer silliness of much of the Synod's debates, which has looked from the beginning like a vanity project inspired by the last survivors of the generation of 1970s theologians who treated Latin America as a laboratory for liturgical and theological experiments. And it was an expensive vanity project too. The Vatican's finances are more mysterious and unaccountable than ever. Some extraordinary claims are floating about. And we don't know who funded the Synod. But what we do know is that in a Catholic hospital in South Sudan, they don't even have an X-ray machine.